Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The season of Lent, as you know, has a weightiness to it. But like Advent, this fourth Sunday does have an emphasis, if you did not know, on rejoicing. Just as the pink candle for Advent some churches, you might notice, will pull out again pink pyramids. But we don't have an Advent wreath to show that. But churches today will be putting on pink pyramids. But regardless of that, the parable of the prodigal son today speaks well enough about joy and rejoicing. The father says it twice. First, to the servants. Let us eat and celebrate. Second, before the oldest son, it was fitting to celebrate and be glad. If John 3.16, as you know, is the gospel in a nutshell, as we've deemed it to be, this parable from St. Luke is its complementary. It's the gospel played out by Jesus when sinners were drawing near to him, and while the Pharisees grumbled over him. Now it's easy during Lent, isn't it, for God's grace to diminish from our sight. As we travel to the cross, it does not get easier with our Lord. And that's the kind of the design of the Lenten season. The sinful nature keeps hard at work pulling against us. There can be, for instance, a dulling effect to long for greener pastures in the world. Equally difficult is a hardening effect that seeks to remove joy and gratitude over how the gospel works in the world. And so the parable today by Jesus reminds us how endlessly forgiving the Father is to both his sons. The bridge between our Heavenly Father's grace toward any is precisely, precisely because he has given us his beloved son. And so as Isaiah said in our Old Testament reading, I will give thanks, O Lord, to you, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away, that you might comfort me. The Father's love as given in Christ, you see, is more than enough for all his children. Now, each son wanted his fair share from the father. Certainly, the younger son came with the most ruthless request that you could ever make. He wanted to leave. 
And so you heard him say, Father, give me the share of property that's coming to me. Pure selfishness. And it was like saying this, you are better off dead, Dad. See you later. Unlike treasuring an inheritance, you know what that means when you lose someone you love, a dad or a mother or a relative. You treasure the inheritance maybe of that locket or the things that maybe come down to you from the family. This young son liquidated everything into money to make it easy because he was about living for the moment. And part of that was wanting to go travel how the younger son treated his father, though it paved the way for what would be his wastefulness. It's the same today, which leads to all kinds of loss that we see in the present state of the world and families. And even when his fair share ran out, his cravings did not. And to keep fueling that lifestyle, oh, there was famine, there was problems, but he wanted that lifestyle of what he really chose, and he hired himself out to work for pigs. And of course, in the Jewish context, that would be complete and utter disgrace. Sadly, his pride turned to desperation, though, longing for the pig's food. And instead of finding relationships of all his good buddies he parted with, no one gave him anything. Of course, the older son now ends up even more offensive about his fair share. It's actually started at the beginning by not trying to reconcile the situation in the family. Did you catch that? There was a falling out, but where was the other son? He took his portion of the inheritance because when he divided up, here's yours and here's yours, he took it and the oldest son just kept quiet. Didn't want to cause too much issues in the family. Only later, though, after his younger brother returns and things start to all of a sudden change because he must have been getting comfortable with that kind of a way of life with him and dad, all of a sudden, selfishness comes out when hearing the music and seeing the fatted calf slaughtered from what the servants told him, and anger rears up, rears up against a fatherly decision. And he treats life with dad as like being a slave under a tyrannical power. Besides supposed disgrace upon his life, came also self-righteous demands as if his father should have been thanking him all along. I mean, because he's the good son, right? He's the one that's really gone the way he's supposed to do and to say the things he's supposed to say and stepped in line. Besides this, though, there was jealousy over how much mercy came to his brother while feeling neglected against what he rightly deserved. Both sons need repentance. But it was this son where Jesus showed how the Pharisees were despising the gospel. And with it, 
God. There really are, there's no rejoicing over the two sons in these texts. They're both bad, and Lent calls us and tells us the same about ourselves. You're not going to get out of this text today without being one of the two sons. So choose where you want to be. You heard it well from Isaiah. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned away everyone to his own way. Paul leaves no room, for we have already charged that all. Both Jews and Greeks are under sin, as it's written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks God. James tells us that the grass is not greener on the other side. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? John rejects heartless care that would withhold the gospel and the work it gives to sinners. For if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, John says, he's a liar. Repent over sinful wandering. However it may be, it's a dead end. But repent even more when murmuring makes our works replace the Father's joy in forgiveness. The Father, you see, goes beyond fairness with undeserved love for both his sons. The younger son, he set the terms not on any kind of fixing by the prodigal. When the son came to his senses over the generosity of his father, he returned to confess his sins, and he also looked to amend his ways by saying, treat me as one of your hired servants. Sounds right, right? He's making things right. He's amending his ways. That's the way it should be. Or should it? That didn't happen. Because the father's love spilled over at the sight of his son to run and embrace and kiss him. And such compassion set aside rectifying wrongs for his son to confess finally the truth. It wasn't about making it right again. It wasn't right ever again. It was all loss. And what did he confess? But the loss of identity. He stopped. He confessed his sins and he said, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Yet the father removed the shame, as you know. He directed the servants to restore the image of his son, and he called for the fatted calf to be sacrificed in celebration. And to the older son, he set the terms not on self-righteous demands. Surely the servants informed their master of the son's reaction about his younger brother. The servants are going, uh, you might want to know about your son. Uh, He's really mad. And going to him was not lavishing love like the first son, was it? Dad wasn't running to the elder son. He wasn't just throwing his arms around him. Nope. He had to bear with that older son. And I'm pretty sure he knew his character. And so after facing his abuse of outrage, the father made his love clear. Son, you're always with me. 
and all that is mine is yours. He also gave the justifying invitation of mercy to celebrate. For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Mercy. Undeserved favor. Love your brother as yourself. Joyful restoration had come to the family because the father's love was unchanged even for his older brother, this older son. But the text leaves us off with not knowing how the older one responds to what has changed. And that's the same thing here. As we want to have, it will change, it will challenge you, and you will repent. Because the Father loves all his children. You and all who would enter this door and rejoice in the gospel, the Father's love for them. There is rejoicing, though, over our Heavenly Father because the love of His one and only Son has turned to us. You see, if someone else gave this parable, it'd be a moralistic mess. I've really struggled with this parable over the years because it's not because you can't figure it out. It's because the problem is, is where is Jesus in this text? You see the Father, you say, oh, God loves everybody. Wrong. God has no right to love anybody at all. But because he sends his only son, this is the way God loves, through Jesus. And so when Jesus speaks this parable, it's as the mediator of God's love now by the gospel. Why the heavenly Father has divided up his property to sinners in this life at all is beyond my knowledge. But it all belongs to the greater promise of this I do know. That he sent his one and only son as our true savior. That's why anybody has anything good at all. St. Paul describes this great joy you heard today. For in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Whether a careless son or a self-righteous son, the Father's love and mercy calls us to repent and believe in the forgiveness won by Jesus. And so like the younger son, our Father has clothed us in the robes of Christ's righteousness, which returns us to the gift given by baptism. He's walked the life that we have not. And unlike the older son, celebrate the Father's joy, not self-righteousness but in the service of Christ by his holy word and sacrament. That's what we celebrate. Not what our hands have done, but what he keeps doing out of his generosity because our works do get in the way of a righteousness that is by grace alone, through faith alone, so that nobody boasts. On this fourth Sunday in Lent, there is a reason to rejoice, for we are the children of the Heavenly Father by his Son. Heaviness with going to the cross of our Lord Jesus is reconciliation, good for you. In other words, 
but also what God desires to give others. And this is not going to be easy, everybody. Oh, it's just so easy, isn't it? Everybody's forgiven. And it's just so simple. Wrong. It's a reconciling of love between all of the family of God. And how does that work? I don't know. It works it out with the grace given to us in Jesus to forgive us all by a better love lifted up on the cross. Do you get it? While hallelujahs wait until Easter, celebrate the priority of God's mission set before our lives by the gospel. It's the greatest priority in the world. It'll be lifted up and put upon Jesus on the cross. And the carelessness of sinners won't care to know what God gives up. And the self-righteousness of the Pharisees will have their way with him. But it's all for us and our salvation. Concern is for the lost to be found and dead to live. Stinginess is not in the plans for this family of God, you see? Because it's worked by the grace of God as a gift. And so the Father's love as given in Christ is more than enough for all his children. Amen. The peace of God that passes all understanding be with your hearts and minds. In Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.